Welcome to the Eagles Water Cooler. Today we're going to be taking on the subject of cornerbacks and safeties heading into the 2020 season. But before we want to get into that, I just wanted to speak on something that's in all of our hearts right now. There's a lot of change happening in our country right now for good reason. We need to wipe out the systemic racism that's plagued this country since its birth. And we stand with the black community and all people of color. We want justice and equality for all. But amidst this, we're going to do our best to talk about a pastime that everyone enjoys, and that's football. So here we are with a new episode of the Eagles Water Cooler. Thank you, Mike. I think that's really well put. I uh, appreciate you starting us off with that. So we are here, as Mike said, to talk about the Eagles defensive backfield. And we are going to start with safety today. Uh, and in particular, we're going to start with the Eagles draft choice of Kavon Wallace, uh, a safety out of Clemson. I believe he was a fourth round draft pick, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, if somebody could check me on that. Yes, that's confirming. Um, out of Clemson, a two-time national champion. He was also a, a state champion in high school. He's five foot 11, 205. Uh, he recorded over the course of his college career 108 solo tackles, 48 assisted tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, uh, three of which came last year. He had five interceptions over his college career, uh, two last season. He's got 15 passes defended, two forced fumbles. Uh, the stats are impressive, and when you watch him play, you can see why. Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. This is just kind of more of a breakdown of the player. Uh, an interesting fact I thought was worth bringing up is that he roomed with uh, Brian Dawkins Jr. at Clemson and uh, was mentored by Brian Dawkins Sr. as well as Troy Vincent. And Troy Vincent was interviewed recently, recently by Jeff Seversky of uh, 6ABC. And Troy Vincent said about Kevon Wallace, Kevon is a winner. Philly's a blue-collar town, and Kevon is cut from that cloth. I happen to know in his background, his father was incarcerated. His mother worked several jobs to keep him afloat. Um, he was from the Richmond area and uh, kind of pulled himself up and, and really stood out as a player uh, in high school and, and obviously in college at Clemson. Uh, a couple descriptions of the player from guys from the Draft Network. First, a quote from Joe Marino. Uh, Wallace is feisty and competitive in everything he does. Uh, Jordan Reed from the Draft Network said, He's previously played, uh, Wallace has previously played nearly every position on the back end of the defense, but his most success has come at safety. Clemson is experimental with him. He plays nickel, free, and strong safety, a prospect that truly plays all over the place and switches his assignments from play to play. So I'm going to open it up. Uh, I feel like we usually start with Andrew, so maybe we'll do that again just to, to keep it consistent. Um, but let's open it up a little bit and just talk about the player and what, what you like about uh, Kavon Wallace, what you think he brings to the defense. Yeah, I mean, come on. Somebody who's under the tutelage of Brian Dawkins, got to be an eagle, right? I mean, that's amazing. Um, I, I found it interesting that um, he was a three-star recruit out of high school. Um, you know, slow start uh, at Clemson his freshman year. His sophomore year is really where he really started to blossom. Um, and so I think he's only gotten better. Now, who knows what the ceiling is for him, but he certainly has set a floor, a high floor. Um, so I think as a fourth round draft pick and with, you know, not a lot of depth back there at safety, he could be somebody that comes in and contributes right away. Um, on top of that, uh, his athleticism uh, allows him to play, as you said, all over the field. He's familiar with all the positions, um, but he's a good tackler, he's physical. Um, and he can get to the quarterback, which are three attributes that we'll be missing uh, with Jenkins now departing. But, you know, I don't want to set the bar there. But I, I think uh, he has a, a great opportunity with the birds um, in the secondary, in this defensive scheme to, to contribute. And um, just one more point. Uh, yes, you know, I think we see the talents and the potential uh, athleticism. But as you mentioned, uh, his character um, and who he is as a person uh, is a, uh, a reputation that precedes himself. Um, he surrounds himself with good people and uh, people like him, and he's already endeared himself to the Philly fan base. I mean, right away, you could tell, you know, with, with the tweets and social media that he's posting, like, he already became a fan favorite. And I think with 
you know, what started out as a sketchy draft for the birds, uh, especially with the, the first pick and then the, uh, the Jalen Hurts pick, that fourth round pick with Kevon Wallace kind of brought everybody back like, okay, all right, I think we're, we're going to be all right here. So um, I'm excited to see him, and uh, I think he's got a real opportunity to, uh, to help us out this year. Matt? Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Andrew. Uh, not uh, He was one of the lowest ranking players of the 2016 Clemson recruiting class. Uh, but we know that uh, Clemson is like the minor leagues for the NFL. And uh, it's a revolving door because a lot of those guys are going to the next level. And because of that, he was able to get an opportunity as a true freshman. So he played basically four years in the minors. That's what we're getting here. And he kept getting better and better each year. Uh, two national championships, was named captain of the team his senior year. So he's already uh, a veteran coming into the league as as far as playing time goes. Now, yes, it is a transition. He doesn't jump out on paper at 5'11", 200 pounds, ran a 4.5340. But everything, uh, everything that I read – you know, he sticks to his he sticks to his player and yeah, he may not make the big play and you may not hear his name, but from a cornerback position, that's usually a good thing. Cause if you're hearing your name, it's either you're getting an interception or you're getting burnt. Uh and I don't think he got burnt that much in college. I uh, I just think as a fourth round pick, we got some really good value. Mike. Yeah, I really agree with what everyone's been saying. Really good value for a fourth round pick. There was something about Kayvon Wallace being drafted to the Eagles that seemed seemed really special. And and I think part of that was his, you know, reaction to the Philly fan base saying, you know, you know immediately saying we were the, the one of the best, if not the best, uh fans in the NFL. So he really does seem like a level headed guy. Um his connection with Brian Dawkins, uh, you know, he was he was roommates with Brian Dawkins' son. He clearly has uh, the right head on his shoulders to make the transition from college to the pros. And I was very glad to hear that um, he, he acknowledged that his biggest improvement at Clemson was between his junior and senior year, where he said he really started to change what he was putting into his body, his uh, strength training. And for a guy, as Matt said, who got a lot of playing time down in the minor leagues, um, you know, this is a good time for him to be improving. So, you know, that in combination with him being a really versatile uh, player for Jim Schwartz's defense, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how he's utilized. And let's, let's flip it to Andrew. Yeah, just real quick, Mike, to your point about him um, uh, seeing that improvement between his junior and senior year, he was, you know, toying with going to the draft his junior year um, and decided to go back uh, as a senior. Um, so even though he was good enough as a junior, thought he was good enough to get drafted, he came back, recommitted, um, had a very successful senior year, had a great combine and, you know, fourth round pick for the birds. That's great. Yeah. Chris? I really like this player. Uh, he's somebody that I think uh, I was hearing that it was kind of a steal for the Eagles for him to have uh, gone in the fourth round. But uh, to me, I just think he's exciting to watch on film. He's, I, I guess he ran a little bit of a faster 40 than people um, expected him to. But as far as just the athleticism, the will to play that, you know, description feisty and competitive in everything he does. I think that really fits him um, in terms of the play style, but the cosine of, you know, the Dawkins family, as well as Troy Vincent, I think really helps things as, as far as his been being able to fit in uh, with what the Eagles do. But the, the idea of a positionless player uh, who can rove between, you know, he's listed as a safety, but have some linebacker potential where, you know, we were talking right before the podcast started about how lean the Eagles uh, linebacker core is. I think uh, he has that kind of versatility. And I think that's the real value um, that he's able to provide. I think he's somebody who, this year will make an impact. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how it will come, but I think he is somebody who will make that kind of an impact because his will is so strong. I really like listening to him talk because he's just such like a intense guy. Uh, and I think when he gets on the field, it's going to be really exciting to watch him play. 
Um, I have one more thing on him, and then I kind of want to keep it moving. But, Mike, did you have a, a point you wanted to bring up? No, I just kind of wanted to uh, reiterate that aura that he's bringing, that Brian Dawkins, Troy Vincent aura um, to the team. You know, it's a, it's a really – it can be a really powerful thing to have in a locker room. Um, somebody who is really motivated not only in a uh, performance on the field type way, but um, in life. Um, somebody who's really focused on where they're going and uh, what they're doing and how they're doing it. And I think I've heard that in uh, the interviews with them. So, but let me kick it back to you, Chris. You said you had a last point and then we're going to. Yeah, the guy, I mean, and I, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Mike. The guy's really overcome a lot and it's, it's apparent in his story. And also just the fact that he's been a winner at every major level. I mean, he's a state champion in high school. He's a two-time national champion at, at Clemson. Um, just an impressive resume and, and statistics wise. And when you watch him, uh, you just see that he's somebody who's aggressive and wants to make plays and is going to show up one way or another. Uh, the thing I wanted to actually wrap up with about Kavan was uh, he chose the number 42. And I guess that was the number that was kind of one of the ones that was available to him. But how does everybody feel about a 42 for uh, Kavan Moss? Yeah, it's a college number. <laughs> it's a fullback number. It's a college. Well, he was – interestingly, he was 12 in college, but, you know – it kind of the number system is is all different there. Yeah. Uh, sure. Let's get our forty. I don't mind. I don't mind a forty-two. It's a, it's kind of a strange number, but I don't mind it. Yeah. At yeah. some point too, we should really kind of break down how uh, numbering is a, in, like a systematic thing that's kind of embedded in football culture uh, by position. It, it seems to be. It seems to be. I think he's somebody who uh, forty-two is kind of an ambiguous number. Like, I guess I'm not sure how to feel about it. But if he's the type of player who's flexible and can do a lot of different things, maybe that'll wind up uh, fitting him. I don't think there's been that many other. I think Chris Marigos probably was the last number forty-two that the Eagles had, but I don't. Yeah. I don't know that there's been a forty-two that that you know really stood out um, more than him. So we'll see. Hopefully. Kevon Wallace can be uh, an impact player this year, but if nothing else, he's, he's come from good pedigree playing in Clemson. So as far as the safety position, otherwise Rodney McLeod was retained. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins obviously was uh, signed a contract with the new Orleans saints, but Rodney McLeod was uh, retained. And I believe, did he have an extension? Matt, can I, can I have somebody look that up? I, um, I think it was a two year deal. A two year. Um, okay. Yeah. So signed he, in March, I believe. And he, I think, is somebody that the Eagles have been invested in. And I think he's, he's been a player who's been impactful um, from my point of view. Um, he definitely made some key plays in the Super Bowl. I think about a play where Brandon Cooks tried to jump over him and he kind of grabbed him out of the air and, and kind of brought him to the turf. But um, he, I think, was sold to the Eagles fan base as being a really physical player. I don't know that we've always seen that from him, but he has made some good plays. Uh, but the injuries are concerning, and he is 30. So, um, you know, I think with Jenkins gone, there is an expectation of him stepping up as a, as a leader. Um, but a lot of the, the best play that we saw from him was in the Super Bowl run in 2017. So we have to hope that with Jenkins gone, he can fulfill that. I don't know if anybody has anything to say on Rodney. Um, go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, just, um, you know, and I think it was 2018 where he tours ACL, MCL, um, he actually stayed pretty healthy last year, uh, only a year removed from, from that kind of major knee surgery. Um, I do think it affected his play. I think he was ranked 60th out of a hundred, um, by pro football. Um, so, you know, I think Schwartz likes him, trust him. Um, you know, he's going to be a veteran leader back there and, um, you know, maybe two years removed from the knee injury, a little bit more confidence and, um, um, you will see some big plays from him this year. Mike? Yeah, and, you know, the fact that Schwartz is uh, really high on Roddy McLeod, is, it's a big factor. And the other element, too, is uh, in a defense that, you know, you're bringing new players into it, McLeod offers that stability, especially when you lose your other, your other – you're the captain of your defense back there in Malcolm Jenkins – McLeod is that person who understands how the defense works and in some senses might be able to serve as, as like a little bit of a, uh, a quarterback for the defense. Uh, but I think, you know, his, his value to the team is beyond just uh, the performance he can give on the field. It's, it's the leadership and the, the veteran presence he can be in that locker room. 
especially for guys like Kevon Wallace um, and even some of our other younger guys like Avante Maddox and Sidney Jones in, in order of how to uh, progress and, and develop into the players that they want to be. So, Matt, I'll kick it to you, man. Yeah, I agree, Mike. Uh, leadership, that's a common theme here. And uh, he's got a soft spot in my heart with his involvement with Big Brothers, Big Sisters. He's the ambassador for uh, the Philadelphia region. Um, he's versatile. He can play free safety. He can play strong safety. Um, yes, he hasn't always brought the bang at strong safety, uh, but he's a journeyman. He's a veteran. He can teach some of these young guys while also making some plays himself. So I'm glad that he's back with the team. I think he's a good addition, good to pick up. Uh, you know, the leadership that we lost with Jenkins, I think he can fit into that role. But as Andrew said, uh, injuries is an issue. He has been hurt. Um, he bounced back, but, you know, uh, he can get beat on the long ball as well. So we got to watch that. Um, so I, I like the guy. Uh, he does need to perform, though, this year. Um, if he wants to continue with the Eagles going forward. Chris? Yeah, I think he has the potential to be uh, in that leadership role. I, I can think of plays last year where there were breakdowns, and I can think of him and Ronald Darby looking at each other with their hands up like this. Um, and I guess we'll see this year if that was more Darby or McLeod. But I think he will have to get people a little more organized. That's something that Jenkins was doing, aside from playing all the positions that Malcolm Jenkins did. I think he was getting a lot, a lot of people organized and getting them to read their keys and all that kind of stuff. So it is a big uh, role to step into. I don't think that Rodney McLeod is going to have to shoulder it all himself though I think the rest of the defensive leaders like Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox um, will will step up and try to help shoulder that because it's just such a big role to fill um, but in transitioning through the rest of the safety position I think it's I, I think it's probably a bigger topic to talk about the idea of Jalen Mills former corner uh, switching to the position of, of safety now, he did play safety uh, at LSU. How much, I'm not really sure. I'm not sure if somebody wants to look that up. I, I know he played some safety when he was at LSU, but I wonder if his skill set is, you know, any better suited uh, to playing safety. Um, in particular, before I send it around, I want everybody to think about the idea that if he's going to play safety and it's going to be in a Malcolm Jenkins kind of role, obviously not the same player, just more filling in that position, that one of the highlights of, you know, training camp and a lot of those things was the matchup between Jenkins and Ertz and thinking about instead of Jenkins match, matching up against Ertz, uh, now Jalen Mills matching up against Ertz. So I'm going to send it around. Let's talk about the transition for Jalen Mills to safety from the cornerback position. What do you got, Matt? Chris, uh, you asked if he played safety in college. He did. He started as uh, a true freshman uh, for LSU at cornerback, but then in his junior year, played 12 games at safety, one game at cornerback. So he does have that uh, experience at safety, but uh, college was a long time ago for this guy. Uh, listen, Jalen played phenomenal in our Super Bowl run. Had a, a great uh, season, three interceptions, one brought back for a touchdown. But ever since that, he's been hurt. He's only played uh, eight games in 2018 and nine games in 2019. Um, and his production has dropped since the Super Bowl run. Uh, so, yes, maybe a fresh start at safety is what this guy needs. Um, I also – I need an attitude adjustment from him as well. Uh, I, you know, I, I hate him celebrating after every – think and play that he makes you know we're the fans in the crowd celebrating for him he needs to be focused on the game especially at the safety position so if he can drop the attitude and you know transition to safety I'm okay with that mind you he was in an altercation last year in 2019 with a Washington Wizard at a nightclub okay uh, this guy has some off the field issues too uh, so as long as he can focus on football and make the transition I'm okay with it if not, I have a problem with Jalen Mills. Andrew? I disagree a little bit. I like his swagger. I like it. I think he's stepping into this. Um, I think he needed the position. At that position, I think it's, it's called for. Yeah, yeah. He's a green goblin. He's a green goblin. <laughs> he's played 17 games over the last two years, all right? Uh, I, get, 
focus on your game. Okay, a little, a little harsh on Jalen here. Look, it's, it's an interesting approach that, that Schwartz and the team decided to do. Um, you know, shotgun approach, if you will, Get just moving Mills to safety. I don't know if that's something they toyed around with for a while or it just came to them in a dream, but um, it's certainly an experiment. He uh, is relatively the same size as, as Jenkins, maybe a little bit lighter. Um, you know, I, I think he has the confidence – um, to fill in the role. And I think he's already made some comments about how he wants to do that. He wants to be a leader. He's learned from, from Malcolm. Um, and I think he sees this as his opportunity. This is his, um, his role to step in. And yes, McLeod is kind of the veteran, the savvy veteran, but I think Jalen's that, you know, cocky kid who we drafted in 16, who's, you know, seventh round chip on the shoulder a little bit. And yeah, sure. He's got, you know, some attitude and, some spunk. So does a lot of people. So um, to me, that doesn't bother me. Um, I I just don't know what to expect. Um, are we going to be disappointed when he fails or, you know, pleasantly surprised if he succeeds? Um, I, I'm not sure, but I have the trust in the, in the Eagles and, and Schwartz that they made this move because there was potential there. Right. So we'll see. Mike, you have something? Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I do just want to reiterate he was a seventh round draft pick. Um, we've got great production out of that pick. Uh, if you would have told us then that he would have had <clears throat> the career that he's had today, we would have been very happy. Um, and I'm kind of with Andrew on this one. I, I like his attitude. I, I like the fact that he has that chip on his shoulder. Um, it, it gives him a little bit of an edge during games. It, it allows him to, um, you know, be more competitive uh, than he than necessarily would be without that. And, yeah, but as, as, a, as another um, point I, I'd like to make is that this is, and I'll just reiterate, this is an experiment. This is a one-year contract he's on. Um, so the Eagles have not committed to Jalen Mills. They're moving him into uh, a safety position, which he hasn't played in the pros before. I'm wondering if, and maybe this is a little too far out there, but I'm wondering if the Eagles say, you know, if he can't play cornerback in the NFL anymore, we're going to put him at safety, see if that works. Otherwise, he's just going to be a placeholder until Kayvon Wallace is ready to move into that starting position. All right. I, I think because we were talking about how much Jim Schwartz loves Ryan McLeod. We can't talk about Jalen Mills without talking about how much Jim Schwartz loves Jalen Mills. Like Jim Schwartz's children wear Jalen Mills jerseys. So I think it's worth saying that he's going to be given every chance to succeed in this transition to a new position at safety. Um, and I think he has the tenacity to, to fulfill the role. The, the Ertz thing, I didn't hear anybody comment on that and I'm not trying to harp on it too much, but I, I, I wonder what you guys think about that because to me, that was something that got brought up by both Zach Ertz and Malcolm Jenkins as being, you know, something that, that made them both better players, just really playing against, you know, the best possible player on the other side of the ball. And I'm not sure that I see uh, Jalen Mills sizing up to, to Ertz quite the same as, as Jenkins might have been able to. And he's going to be asked to uh, if he's playing that position. So, you know, if they wind up playing teams that, you know, um, they're playing Baltimore this year. Mark Andrews had a pretty good year last year. You know, if they're playing a, a team with a good tight end, he's going to be pressed into that kind of position. And I think, I think he'll be given every opportunity. But I wonder about the, the idea of him not succeeding, not being because he's not good enough, but because the guy we were talking about a little bit ago, Kayvon Wallace, is playing so well. Um, that maybe he's able to step in. But I do think because Jalen Mills has had uh, safety reps before, and I think because Jim Schwartz loves him so much, I think he's going to have an opportunity to start uh, come, come the beginning of the year, whenever that winds up being. But let's, let's put safeties behind us and start talking about some corners. Uh, and let's begin with the free agent. So I think we have to begin with probably the top free agent uh, signing in the offseason period for the Eagles. And that was uh, corner Darius Slay from the Detroit Lions uh, for whom the Eagles traded a third and a fifth. Uh, that was what I found. Is that accurate? Okay. So he's 30 years old. Uh, he's widely considered one of the top corners in the NFL. 
Um, he seems like he's a good fit for the team. He played college football with uh, Fletcher Cox, who really co-signed this, this whole movement, uh, really tried to bring him in and heavily recruited him. Um, Slay is both fast and big, which is something we're going to talk about as we go on. He's really uh, kind of one of few defensive backs for the Eagles who's built a little bit bigger. Roswell Douglas is the other one, and we'll touch on him later. But uh, Slay is important for that reason. Um, and he will probably be asked to travel because of his history uh, and just his reputation and skill set, uh, even in the Jim Schwartz defense. And a lot of people think, you know, Jim Schwartz doesn't typically let his corners do that, but he hasn't had a corner, at least in his Eagles tenure, uh, who's anybody like Darius Slay. So uh, he's also bringing a veteran leadership element. I'd like to hear what you guys think. And I also want to ask Matt to look something up for me, if possible. Stat Matt. Uh, whether or not he has any injury history, uh, what is Darius Slay's injury history? Does he have anything significant there? Uh, it should be noted also that he was an All-Pro in 2017 um, and was a Pro Bowler in 17, 18, and 19. What do you guys think of Darius Slay? Yeah, I think, um, I think it was a great signing, obviously. And for a third and a fifth, that's like a no-brainer, right? Um, I, I was also happy to see the outpouring of um, uh, respect and um, appreciation that other players in the league had for him um, as being, you know, underrated and overlooked. And even though he was the, the clear cornerback number one in, in Detroit, very easy to get, you know, diminished over there. So, um, you know, right off the bat, it, it felt like a great signing. And then you look a little bit deeper, right? You look at the fact that he shadowed the the wide receiver ones on a lot of um, teams in 2019 and just looking at uh, who he covered and how he shut them down. You got to love this as an Eagles fan. So I'll throw out a couple here. Uh, last year, week 11, covering Amari Cooper, 87% of snaps held him to three receptions for 38 yards. Amari Cooper kills us. Um, who are we? Week 12 next week. He's facing off against Terry McLaren, an exciting rookie out of uh, playing for Washington who killed us, uh, held him to three receptions for 42 yards. Um, and then week 17, uh, he's going up against Devontae Adams, who killed us, killed Devontae Maddox, but, um, you know, covered him for about half the, half the snaps and held him to four receptions for 63 yards. So um, just, you know, picking and choosing there, but you got to like what he's done. Um, and you have to like the fact that he is the clear cut outside CB1 and in a sense diminishes the importance of who you have, not the importance, diminishes the impact of who you have on the outside as CB2. Um, because we'll get into that later, but you know, we've been weak at cornerback for, for a while now. He um, establishes himself and our cornerbacks um, as you know, a, not a threat, but a stronger unit. So Mike. Yeah. I, all great points there, Andrew. I just, I just wanted to reiterate that it's, it's really great to acquire a player of the caliber of Darius Slay um, for the main reason that his acquisition makes our team better, makes us a better defense. He, in on our defense was better than anyone in that type of position that we had last year. So that is a, that is a nice thing to say, you know what, free agency, we went out, we got a guy who made us better. Um, I'm really happy with the signing. It's going to be exciting to see him uh, match up against the number one receivers this year. It's going to be some strong competition. I'm sure uh, you mentioned Amari Cooper. We'll see what happens playing Dallas this year, um, but great to have him on the squad. Nice to know that when, when, when we need it, we can just, you know, put Darius Slay one-on-one -on, -one on, on the top receiver and have him go. Let me kick it to you, Matt. Guys, I was licking my chops for Byron Jones in this offseason. Um, Darius Slay wasn't on my radar. Disappointed when Byron Jones uh, uh, went elsewhere, but reading up on Darius Slay, I couldn't be happier. Um, Guy ran a sub 440 at the combine coming into the league. Uh, he has 19 interceptions to Byron Jones's two interceptions. Now, yes, he has two more uh, years under his belt than uh, Byron Jones does, but still, that's a 
significant difference, and we got him for a lot cheaper than Byron Jones went for. Um, interesting point here, uh, when he entered the league in 2013, Jim Schwartz was still the coach of the D Detroit Lions, so they have a history there, which is good. There's chemistry there. Chris, you had asked about injuries. In 2013, he did tear his meniscus at the end of the season, and in 2016, he suffered from hamstring injury that made him miss a few games. Nothing major. Those are um, typical for an NFL player, and he's bounced back. Um, guys, I'm excited for this player. I think he's going to be great. I think, you know, he's that impact player that we've needed at cornerback for a while, and I'm very excited to see him hit the field. Chris? Yeah, a couple things. First, to touch on the number thing, he selected uh, 24 in tribute uh, to Kobe, which I think is great. Um, just to go back to what Mike said behind, like, the reasoning behind numbers, but the Eagles this year in their schedule, I just jotted down the ones that came to my mind. I was quickly looking at their schedule, the receivers that the Eagles are going to face this year that will probably uh, be traveled that Darius Slay will probably be traveling with Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, AJ Green, Devontae Adams, Odell Beckham. So, you know, the, the way that their schedule shapes up, um, the Eagles are going to be facing some receivers that it will really benefit them to have a player like Slay. I've always liked Slay from afar. I uh, thought he was somebody that the Eagles were going to sign. I think there were rumors last year, or maybe it was the season before. Um, I, I, I think may have heard at one point that he had a connection to Fletcher Cox that they played in college together. But um, Matt brought up a point earlier that uh, he did, he was drafted by Jim Schwartz and played one year uh, under Jim Schwartz in Detroit. Um, so there's some familiarity on a couple levels with Darius Slay. I think he's an exciting player and somebody uh, who will be productive. I, I can see Darius Slay making a really big defensive play early in the season and just kind of reassuring Eagles fans that even at age 30, he's still able to be impactful and uh, still kind of holds up um, coming over from the Lions after, after being a veteran for some time over there. So uh, let's talk about the other free agent acquisition who's going to be more of a slot player as opposed to Darius Slade being in one of the outside corner positions. Uh, the um, other free agent that the Eagles signed was Nikel Roby Coleman, uh, who was released by the Rams and then signed by the Eagles, I believe, on a one-year deal. Yes, okay. Uh, he's an eight-year veteran. Uh, he was really signed on the cheap. This is a, a genius move by Howie. Um, I think this, this is a player who's got a lot of experience um, he's, I think, probably best known for the no-call uh, DPI versus the Saints, uh, which triggered a whole bunch of backlash. But um, he's been a consistent slot corner in the league. Uh, I like his Instagram handle is Slot God. Uh, I think that's kind of cool. Um, he is undersized. I think Matt said he's 5'7". Um, so he is predominantly going to be a slot player. I, I don't know what you guys think about this signing. I think Howie may have pulled something off here. You know, when they signed Patrick Robinson, uh, this was like a similar thing. I know we hearken back to 2017 too much, but I think just in terms of being kind of a little bit of an under-the-radar pickup and also for the value, I think this is a player who, who may prove to be uh, worth having picked up in the offseason. What do you guys think of Nikel Roby Coleman? Yeah, I mean um... – when they signed him, it was kind of like this who? Um, and then you look a little bit deeper and you go, oh, okay. Um, you know, he's been a, he's been really steady. Um, and especially the last three years, since 2017, he's kind of like this top 10 slot cover guy. Um, I don't know what the dynamic was, why he walked, um, or if they just let him go, contract was going to be too high. But, I, you know, I, I think he adds this um, – this level of confidence um, that you can throw him out there and, and be okay. And I feel like we've struggled with that. And, um, you know, I think we started eight or nine different quarterbacks uh, last year. And yes, absolutely due to injuries, but also due to some struggling talent. Um, you know, I'm hoping he can be that, that guy that maybe you don't ever hear his name, but he just, uh, you know, he's, that's because he's doing his job. Um but I'm excited to see what he has to has to offer. And like you said, it was it was great value. You didn't give up um, much in the contract for him. And uh, we'll see if you can keep up that that steady play. Matt or Mike, anything on Nikel Roby Coleman? Matt. Yes, uh, great value here, guys. Came in the league as an undrafted uh, player, 
and has been consistent, as Andrew said. Uh, since coming into the league, uh, he has only not played in 16 games once. And in that year, he played in 15 games. So he's, he's seen the field. He knows what to look for. Yes, he's undersized. Um, four, five, Matt, can I ask you to look something up? Sure. It just occurred to me when Schwartz was in Buffalo as the head coach, because Nicole Roby Coleman, I believe, had spent some time in Buffalo. I think that's the, that was the team that he signed with as an undrafted free agent, if I'm not mistaken. Is Schwartz, is Schwartz just bringing back his old guys? Hey, I don't know. That's why. That's kind of why I asked the question. I mean, did they overlap at all? Because if he overlapped with Slay in Detroit, that was before Buffalo, right? Am I remembering this on the timeline right? I'm not no, sure. no. He came into uh, he came into the league in 2013. That's when Schwartz was in Detroit, and that's when Slay okay. came into the league too. Um, so, I, to Andrew's point, he he had um, he's been consistent. He's been healthy. He's not a, not a starter per se, but uh, at that position, players get tired. It's a re- rotational position. So I'm glad that uh, he can get in there. Um, so size is, a, is an issue. He did have a 38-inch vertical at, at the combine, so he's got ups. Um, so I, I think it's a good signing. Mike? Yeah, and Matt, I guess we'll see how things shape out uh, during preseason, but I do think he is slated to be our, our starting slot uh, cornerback right now. Um, <clears throat> he is listed on the Eagles depth chart right now, first slot as uh, number one, followed by Craven LeBlanc, um, who's definitely played some good minutes for us. I know, I know Chris is a big fan of Craven. We're, 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 this is a Craven podcast. I think Mike and I have, have really enjoyed watching Craven, seeing him develop. Maybe dubbed him Cray Cray at one point. Uh, yeah, we're, we're hoping you know what? for big things. But continue, Matt, continue, continue talking about Nikel, and we'll we'll touch on Cray Yeah, let bit. me give it back to Matt. Just I think you yeah, had just a, Mike. I that we're looking at different sites here. I have ESPN having him behind Sidney Jones as the uh, right cornerback position. So okay, it it should be interesting to see how it shapes out. Um, if he can start, great. Uh, if not, he adds depth. Mike. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think for a lot of the reasons that you were just spelling out, um, Matt, and, and, and everybody did, his, his toughness, his durability, his speed. Um, yes, he is getting older, but those things all really lend well to playing in the slot, playing in the middle of the field. And, and I do think he has a really good chance of uh, being at that position. But, we'll, you know, we'll see. We'll see how the season plays out. He's just one of those signings where, again, um, not as much as Darius Slay, but I think looking back on who we had on our squad last season and then looking at who we have now, he makes our defense better than we were last year. Um, and that's just, you know, my overarching feeling in regards to his acquisition. Let me send it to Chris. Yeah, and I think he brings a veteran presence. And if nothing else, for the Eagles in an organizational kind of way, I think he's somebody that they know where to put him. He's a slot guy. They know they can put him there. There's a lot of other unknowns. And in terms of the other returning roster players, which we'll transition to talk about now, um, a lot of them, we're not quite sure who they're going to be. So we're going to kind of move forward with the understanding that the Eagles Water Court podcast is of the belief that obviously Darius Slay will start at one of the outside corner spots and travel with whoever the receiver is, the number one receiver on the other team. And then Nikhil Roby Coleman will be in the slot. So our biggest question moving forward is who is going to be the other outside wide receiver. And the Eagles seem to want it to be Avante Maddox, who I believe was drafted in 2018, uh, if I'm not mistaken, at a pit. Uh, I watched him there. thought he was a great player. Um, in the fourth round, uh, he was drafted. Yep. Uh, fourth round. Uh, but he – he has really shown up uh, when he's been healthy. He's really made some great plays. Um, he has gotten torched here and there, but his best play and his worst play have both been on the outside. And before this year, he's been most mostly playing in the slot and playing on the outside here and there. Um, there's a game against the Rams uh, in 2018 that I can think of where he really showed up and made a great uh, diving interception, ripped the ball out of the, uh, receiver's hand. So he's a he's an exciting player. He dealt with injuries uh, most recently last year, a uh, really severe neck injury, which was caused by kind of friendly fire by a teammate hitting him. 
Um, but he's had some success outside, but he was really burned in that same game where he was injured uh, by Devontae Adams against the Packers. So I, I wonder moving forward, moving to the outside, is that something that you guys see Avante Maddox doing? Uh, is he able to make that transition the, the way that we were talking about Jalen Mills transitioning to safety? Um, I think he can. It's just a matter of is he talented enough to stay there, right? I think he can He can certainly do it. Um, like you said, a lot of highs, a lot of lows. That Green Bay game just is so tough um, to wipe from the memory um, because he just, he just got torched. Now, he seems to be better in um, cover schemes, and Schwartz does run a lot of them. It's just when he has to match up one-on-one, he's going to get picked on. And we saw that in the Green Bay game where he got torched and then Sandejo came in and, you know, tried to kill him. But, um, you know, maybe he's best suited for, um, you know, when there's three or four wide receivers on the field and they're playing a little bit of a zone coverage and, and he can kind of hang out. His size worries me a little bit. He is, uh, he is a bit small and he, he looks small too. It's, you know, he's five nine, which is not an uncommon height for a, for a defensive back, but he looks small. Um, he does. So, he, I wouldn't say he plays small, though. Correct, or, correct. And I'm not trying to kind of save him there. I really do think he does look small physically, but he plays so aggressive that it's kind of beyond his size, it seems like sometimes. Yeah, which is good. And I'm sure he's had to do that, you know, his entire, you know, playing career, being a little bit undersized. Um, but, Look, we'll see. I mean, we can we'll, we'll debate this, I think, a little bit further when we start talking about, you know, Cindy Jones and, and things like that. But um, can Maddox play the outside? Sure. Is he better suited as his own guy than a man cover guy? I think so. Mike? Yeah, no, I'm uh, very interested to see <clears throat> what's going to happen with this second cornerback position. As you know, as Chris was kind of summing up for us, it's really going to boil down to uh, Maddox versus Jones and without jumping the gun I you know um, I guess let's talk about let's talk about Maddox while also making a couple comparisons um, he's a young player uh, he's he's only 24 years old but the thing I really like about that is, is Sidney Jones is also 24 years old um, these are two guys who really are at that point in their career where playing time could either break their career or make it um, and I, I think that that added pressure, as well as I'm going to bring this back, competition, how he, how, he's, how he keeps saying, let competition dictate who plays for our football team. And, you know, that, that's, that is a good situation here that's uh, developing between Maddox and Sidney Jones. Um, but, you know, great skill set. I think he's got a really high football IQ. And... I think the Eagles are probably positioning him as the number one, but let's throw it to Matt now. Yes, uh, Avante is athletic, guys. Uh, he was almost drafted out of uh, high school to the MLB. Uh, he was a phenomenal high school baseball player, ran a sub 440 at the combine, also has one of the thickest necks I've ever seen from a cornerback. Uh, so he may not be tall, but He's, he's thick, and uh, when he wants to – I believe to, there's can... track in his background somewhere, too. Sorry to interrupt you, Matt. Yep. Keep going. But I, I, I believe there's track in his background somewhere, too. So definitely a multifaceted athlete. Uh, Mike, I think you brought up a good point. He's still young at 24, and that's after playing four years at Pitt and four consistent years at Pitt. Um, I still think the Eagles have Sidney Jones ahead of him just because of where he was drafted. But it creates some great competition, as you said, Mike. Back to you, Chris. That's a great transition point. I really think, to be honest with you, when I, when I look at the comparison, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead with this. When I look at the comparison between Avante Maddox and Sidney Jones, I've just seen it from Avante Maddox so much more than I've seen it from Sidney Jones. Now, I have seen it from Sidney Jones here and there, especially that play against uh, the Cowboys, I believe it was, at the end of the Cowboys game. And uh, that four-game stretch where the Eagles needed to win every game, he swatted a, a big pass at the end of a game. Um, against the Cowboys and, and kind of came up in a big spot. But Avante Maddox has been there in many, many spots, uh, has made picks, has broken up passes, has taken hits, uh, has come back from injuries, 
um, has, has made plays and even, even as a fourth round pick, uh, at a pit. And I have to tell you, you know, pit football is only so exciting, but he was one of those players that while he was there, he was a really exciting player to watch. And he, he's kind of continued that despite his size, uh, in the pros. So I've actually heard that the Eagles are higher on him as being a potential outside, uh, starter. But I guess we'll have to see. I think this is a good transition, though, to go back to what I said before, uh, to Sidney Jones. And as a second-round pick, I have seen, like I mentioned the play before, I have seen a few flashes, but for the most part, we've been underwhelmed by Sidney Jones. He struggled with a lot of injuries. And I really thought there was a revealing moment, and we haven't made that many references to uh, this series I don't think on the podcast so far, but on the all or nothing series, uh, there's a scene from last season where the Eagles are playing, I believe it's the Vikings and Sidney Jones is standing on the sideline and Malcolm Jenkins is standing next to him. And he's just kind of saying, you know, you're not showing any confidence. You're not showing any resilience. You know, you really need to just kind of step it up here. So it's one of those things where I wonder with, you know, him being a higher round draft pick, uh, is, is he really the guy that the Eagles thought he was when they're, you know, able to get a player like Avante Maddox in the fourth round, who's shown a lot more, maybe a little scrappier, may have a few less uh, physical tools, but has really been able to play and be productive. So what are your thoughts on Sidney Jones? Are you, are you ready to give up? Are you, are you hanging in there? What are your thoughts? Chris, not only a higher round draft pick, but a hurt higher round draft pick. Yes. He winds up uh, tearing his Achilles on the last play of his pro day, he was slated to be one of the top cornerbacks, a first-round pick, um, Terrace's Achilles, and we knew that he was going to be sitting out the first year and probably a project the second year to get him up to speed. I'm going to run down some names that uh, went right after Sidney Jones. Juju Smith-Schuster, Alvin Kumara, Chris Godwin, Kareem Hunt, uh, Kenny Gal. Holiday. Um, there was a lot of talent in that second round. And, you know, we took a chance on a guy with a torn Achilles. Yes, I want the best for Sidney Jones. I want to see that first round talent. But if he doesn't come with that first round talent in preseason, then start Avante. Andrew or Mike? Yeah, I mean, I think we definitely got enamored with that first round talent dropping um, to the second round. Um, but, I mean, he was a stud in college. And at the time when we did pick him up, despite his injury, he was young enough. It was like, okay, he can bounce back from this, no problem. He sits a year, no problem. That hasn't been the case. And I think, Chris, you mentioned it earlier, hamstring injuries. And I think he had a knee and a neck. And, you know, there's always seemed seems to be something um, with him, which is a shame because I think, you know, me personally, huge Sidney Jones fans uh, fan, I want to see him succeed, and I think most of us do as well. Um, I am maybe a little bit more forgiving, and I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. He has made some game-changing plays. We Yes, like when we were talking about Maddox, we've seen him play good and we've seen him play bad. But I think with Sidney Jones, you've seen some, like, some moments that are like that. That is first-round talent. Um, and I think that's what kinds of, kind of keeps us around as well. So, look, is this, you know, is this finally his, uh, his redemption? Is this the Sidney Jones that we drafted a couple of years ago that we're going to see this year? Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, but we'll, ha we'll have to see. Mike? Mike, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I thought that was a great uh, point you made uh, back there, Matt about who we missed out on drafting in taking Sidney Jones. Real eye-opener. Um, and I couldn't help but start applying that same principle to the Jalen Hurts pick in this past draft. Uh, we'll see as you know, time goes on who some of the players that we, we didn't opt to take with that second pick. Um, but yeah, in terms of, in terms of Jones, he, his body of work is limited. Um, in what we've seen on the field, but he has a really high upside and he hasn't lived up to that yet. Uh, I, I think in terms of Maddox, Maddox has on tape a lot more um, proven I can play this position than Sidney Jones has currently. But 
I do think Sidney Jones has the higher upside, and I really think this is his make-or-break year. If Sidney isn't able to put it together this year, I think he fades out and the Eagles possibly move on from him. I hope that's not the case because I really think he, you know, he has a good skill set and maybe not um, top 10 talent at this point. But if he can be, you know, somebody who is a first round talent and, and salvage that, I think it'd be a, a real win. So really excited to see what Sidney Jones is able to bring because if he delivers a strong performance this year, that really solidifies our cornerback position with Slay and then another good cornerback with, with Sydney having the higher upside. Matt, ahead, Matt, I want to kick to you. Just one quick point, uh, Chris, you brought this up on an earlier podcast. Um, Sydney Jones went to the University of Washington. Is this, uh, is this another University of Washington curse in Philadelphia? Chris? I, I think one of the biggest issues with Sydney Jones is, is his um, – sense of ego or you know his confidence or any of that kind of thing I definitely think there are skills there and I've seen him make the same plays you guys are talking about I do think even the Eagles want him to win that job uh, because of the draft pick that they spent on him I've just seen Avante do more and I have to expect more from someone that I've seen you know be more productive um Sydney has flashed and it's it's been great when I've seen it but I've seen Avante flash too and for the value uh it just kind of makes you think um you know, does he have it or not? So I do think Sidney Jones is a player that I want to see flourish. And I think the Eagles really want to see flourish because of the draft pick they spent on him. But um, I'm not, I'm not sure he can put the whole thing together. I think he has skills and I think you'll see him flash once in a while, but I'm not positive that he's, he's that guy that they thought he was. Um, let's, let's just transition. Real quick, real quick, just please don't be the Markel Fultz uh, <laughs> of the Eagles. Please don't be the Mark Helfoltz. Another Please. University of Washington guy. Jesus Christ. I know. Well, and, and you know, there's <laughs> concerns about Dillard too. You know, and a lot of these guys, it's the same, it's the same sort of confidence thing. And, and I wonder if that's maybe transitioning to living in a big city or any of those kinds of things. But it's clearly Sidney Jones has physical tools. That's not the issue. It's more there's something else. There's some other part of it. And we have to assume that at least a part of that is mental. So in talking about some of the other depth that's, that's behind there. So we, we're on agreement that there's going to be some sort of battle, and we'll, we'll talk to wrap up about what the starting defensive backfield is going to look like. But uh, behind there, we have Razul Douglas, who uh, restructured his contract with the Eagles, which to me really happened because of his size. You know, the Eagles drafted him to be kind of in the third round, I believe, to be kind of a Bobby Taylor type, big and long, and, and hopefully who's going to make plays on the ball like he did at West Virginia, and he has. I can think of a play against the Falcons where he, he came in for Darby in a pinch and made a pick on the first play right in front of Julio Jones. So he's definitely made some plays, but he's slow. He doesn't seem to really be able to, to get into favor with Jim Schwartz. He's had some trouble getting on the field. I'm not sure, you know, what his future is going to be uh, with the Eagles, but he has made plays in spots. So uh, just a, a second here, just a quick round on, on Razul Douglas for anybody that wants to chime in. I'll just jump in real quick. You know, Razul has uh, been one of those role players for us the past couple of years that has been able to step into games in crucial times and make big plays. Um, so, you know, in that respect, Razul is a loved player in Philadelphia, but his shortcomings do really come in his lack of speed. Um, I wouldn't be surprised for the Eagles to, to trade him for maybe a later round pick before the season starts and and if he is on the roster come next year um you know i think he'll be a very situational player probably more down in the red zone uh let's flip it to andrew yeah just to your to your point there i i believe his name has been tossed around in in um uh on the trading block and to see if there's interest there i think he's a piece he's an interesting piece like you said he's shown some some talent um I like him as a depth guy and who knows, maybe, um, you know, an exciting season this year. I like him better than I like uh, LeBlanc, but um, you know, one in the same, I guess. Chris, to your, your point, thoughts? Uh, 6'2", he's our biggest cornerback. Um, so he's got some size, but uh, he lacks the speed. Uh, also, he's, he's 24 years old. This secondary is young, very young. So very uh, young and go ahead, Matt. 
Um, yeah, so it, we do have the veterans. Hopefully they can learn from the veterans. Um, but, you know, if a trade arises and we can get value for them, good riddance. Well, I think the other person to talk about is Crave on the Blanc. And I do think, you know, he has some potential because last season he made a couple of big plays. And, and the most important play that I remember him making was in 2018 in a playoff game uh, where the Saints went deep on the first play and LeBlanc picked it off. That'll still stand out uh, no matter what winds up happening with the, with the defensive backfield. Um, but I think that um, as a player that was picked up off of the – I think it was the Bears practice squad – uh, he's made some big plays last season in, in that last game against the Giants. He made a crucial tackle behind the line of scrimmage on Saquon, a solo tackle. Um, if you look at the two players, Craven LeBlanc is much lankier than Saquon. So, you know, definitely an effort player. And even if he winds up being a depth piece, uh, someone I'm glad that the Eagles have. Uh, he does struggle to stay healthy. He had some injuries. Um, but I guess we'll have to hope that he can be a backup to Nikhil Roby Coleman. I just want to bring up that, you know, the Eagles also have a new – uh, defensive backs coach in Marquand Manuel, and he has some experience uh, in the league at a lot of different levels, including being a defensive coordinator. He played in college opposite Lido Shepard. We talked about him a little bit in an earlier podcast, but uh, he's got a lot to work with, uh, but he also has a lot of new players to a new team uh, to work with in an off season that's going to be a lot different because of the coronavirus and everything that's been going on. Um, so there's a lot to consider here, not just in terms of the player talent, but also in terms of the organizational talent uh, with the coaching changes. And with this being a new coach and a mostly young team as, uh, of, of defensive back players, as Matt pointed out, I think that they're, they're up against it a little bit. They definitely have talent, but it's a matter of getting it all in line uh, so that they can be productive. So I think we can all agree to wrap things up a little bit that Darius Slay is going to be one of the outside corners. Nikel Roby Coleman will probably be given every opportunity to, to be the slot cornerback. Who do we think is going to play on the other side? Is it going to be Avante Maddox or is it going to be Sidney Jones? Let's wrap it up with this. Andrew, what do you think? Um, my hope is that it's Sidney Jones. My thought is that it's going to be Maddox to kick it off. Um, Real quick, again, as we said, you know, the addition of Darius Slay is is a game changer, I think. It allows us to have this conversation of, oh, who can who can fill the void? Because we do have a solid number one back there. We also have a, a stronger front four um, and some depth there. So we're going to have a lot of pressure on the cornerback like we did back in 2017 and had for a couple of years. So um, I think the pressure's off a little bit more in the secondary um, with, with those changes. But uh, to the question uh, – Jones is my my hope, but Maddox is my pick of of who will start there um, game one. Mike, same question. Yeah, so I don't. I mean, are are we riding the line here, or are we are we picking a player? <laughs> uh, you know, could it be? Could it be? Uh, I think obviously we want Jones, right? He has the higher upside. If he's performing well, I think we we kind of are all agree that he has more potential than Avante Maddox. I think if Avante is able to come in and, and, and play consistently, it's probably the more likely thing that's going to happen, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go with Sidney Jones, Matt. Sidney Jones, Eagles have invested more in him. And because of that, uh, he will start the season, but it's his position to lose. Um, and it's his position to lose to Avante Maddox. Uh, and it's going to be a first man up mentality. If he doesn't perform early on, I think Schwartz makes the switch. But Sidney Jones to start. Chris? Yeah, I actually, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to be biased as a pick guy or anything. I really do think Avante Maddox has a lot of potential. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Corner. I'm trying. I'm trying. I really think he has potential as an outside corner. He has also had his worst play, as I mentioned, that game against the Packers. Devontae Adams torched him left and right. So, I mean, he's had his best and his worst play at outside corner. So it's high risk, high reward, and then high loss. So I really think he's somebody who has potential. But, you know, I do think the Eagles want him, uh, Sidney Jones, sorry, to be uh, that, that outside corner. I think they want to see him in that position. To me, there's something about Sidney Jones that he just can't put it together consistently. Avante Maddox has done it more often, has had more experience, and will probably be the guy who does it. Um, to me, Avante Maddox 
it'll be interesting to see between the two transitioning players, Jalen Mills to safety and Avante Maddox to outside corner, how they adjust and how they're able to, to work in in a defense that's working with also new coaching, as we mentioned. So a uh, lot of stuff covered today. Great talking uh, from everybody, especially uh, in a really hectic week, which uh, Mike topped us off with a really great um, comment to start everything off and really explain where we're starting from. But hopefully this was a little bit of an escape for everybody uh, to just take our minds off of things and, and talk about sports that we hope will happen uh, come the fall. Uh, at some point. So uh, a good discussion about the defensive backfield tonight, and we will see what comes. Uh, hopefully there will be training camp. Uh, the Eagles have not opened the NovaCare facility. However, uh, sports have been approved by Governor Wolf uh, to begin. Uh, the Eagles have not uh, said that players or coaches will be returning until July, I believe. Um, but there are some personnel who will be returning to the Novacare complex to start to open things up. So things are slowly starting to change. Hopefully it's in the direction of a, a season that will start on time. Eagles do have a, a very difficult schedule and a lot of their schedule uh, being difficult is resting in the receivers that they're going to be facing. So Darius Slay, as Andrew mentioned earlier, Darius Slay is a really crucial addition uh, because of some of the competition that they're going to be facing this year. And uh, I'm glad we were able to touch on all these guys. So nice job, everybody. And uh, we'll look to get together again. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it up in the air. I, I know I've been kind of leaving every episode at the end talking about who or, or what position we're going to talk about next. But we'll leave it up in the air. And uh, when we get back together, we'll try to cover another position coming into this year that we think is worth talking about uh, for a podcast episode. But nice job tonight, fellas. Go Birds. Go Birds. Go Birds.